chapter six of supplements to the first book second half the doctrine of the abstract idea or thinking from the world as will and idea volume two by arthur schopenhauer translated by r b haldane and j kemp this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine the doctrine of the idea of perception chapter six on the doctrine of abstract or rational knowledge the outward impression upon the senses together with the mood which it alone awakens in us vanishes with the presence of the thing therefore these two cannot of themselves constitute experience proper whose teaching is to guide our conduct for the future the image of that impression which the imagination preserves is originally weaker than the impression itself and becomes weaker and weaker daily until in time it disappears altogether there is only one thing which is not subject either to the instantaneous vanishing of the impression or to the gradual disappearance of its image and is therefore free from the power of time this is the conception in it then the teaching of experience must be stored up and it alone is suited to be a safe guide to our steps in life therefore seneca says rightly civis tibi omnia subjicere te subjice rationi epistle thirty seven and i add to this that the essential condition of surpassing others in actual life is that we should reflect or deliberate such an important tool of the intellect as the concept evidently cannot be identical with the word this mere sound which as an impression of sense passes with the moment or as a phantasm of hearing dies away with time yet the concept is an idea the distinct consciousness and preservation of which are bound up with the word hence the greeks called word concept relation thought and reason by the name of the first o logos yet the concept is perfectly different both from the word to which it is joined and from the perceptions from which it has originated it is of an entirely different nature from these impressions of the senses yet it is able to take up into itself all the results of perception and give them back again unchanged and undiminished after the longest period of time thus alone does experience arise but the concept preserves not what is perceived nor what is then felt but only what is essential in these in an entirely altered form and yet as an adequate representative of them just as flowers cannot be preserved but their ethereal oil their essence with the same smell and the same virtues can be the action that has been guided by correct conceptions will in the result coincide with the real object aimed at we may judge of the inestimable value of conceptions and consequently of the reason if we glance for a moment at the infinite multitude and variety of the things and conditions that coexist and succeed each other and then consider that speech and writing the signs of conceptions are capable of affording us accurate information as to everything and every relation when and wherever it may have been for comparatively few conceptions can contain and represent an infinite number of things and conditions in our own reflection abstraction is a throwing off of useless baggage 
for the sake of more easily handling the knowledge which is to be compared and has therefore to be turned about in all directions we allow much that is unessential and therefore only confusing to fall away from the real things and work with few but essential determinations thought in the abstract but just because general conceptions are only formed by thinking away and leaving out existing qualities and are therefore the emptier the more general they are the use of this procedure is confined to the working up of knowledge which we have already acquired this working up includes the drawing of conclusions from premises contained in our knowledge new insight on the contrary can only be obtained by the help of the faculty of judgment from perception which alone is complete and rich knowledge further because the content and the extent of the concept stand in inverse relation to each other and thus the more is thought under a concept the less is thought in it concepts form a graduated series a hierarchy from the most special to the most general at the lower end of which scholastic realism is almost right and at the upper end nominalism for the most special conception is almost the individual thus almost real and the most general conception for example being that is the infinitive of the copula is scarcely anything but a word therefore philosophical systems which confine themselves to such very general conceptions without going down to the real are little more than mere juggling with words for since all abstraction consists in thinking away the further we push it the less we have left over therefore if i read those modern philosophemes which move constantly in the widest abstractions i am soon quite unable in spite of all attention to think almost anything more in connection with them for i receive no material for thought but am supposed to work with mere empty shells which gives me a feeling like that which we experience when we try to throw very light bodies the strength and also the exertion are there but there is no object to receive them so as to supply the other moment of motion if any one wants to experience this let him read the writings of the disciples of schelling or still better of the hegelians simple conceptions would necessarily be such as could not be broken up accordingly they could never be the subject of an analytical judgment this i hold to be impossible for if we think a conception we must also be able to give its content what are commonly adduced as examples of simple conceptions are really not conceptions at all but partly mere sensations as for instance those of some special colour partly the forms of perception which are known to us a priori thus properly the ultimate elements of perceptive knowledge but this itself is for the whole system of our thought what granite is for geology the ultimate firm basis which supports all and beyond which we cannot go the distinctness of a conception demands not only that we should be able to separate its predicates but also that we should be able to analyze these even if they are abstractions and so on until we reach knowledge of perception and thus refer to concrete things through the distinct perception of which the final abstractions are verified and reality guaranteed to them as well as to all the higher abstractions which rest upon them therefore the ordinary explanation that the conception is distinct as soon as we can give its predicates is not sufficient 
for the separating of these predicates may lead perhaps to more conceptions and so on again without there being that ultimate basis of perceptions which imparts reality to all those conceptions take for example the conception spirit and analyze it into its predicates a thinking willing immaterial simple indestructible being that does not occupy space nothing is yet distinctly thought about it because the elements of these conceptions cannot be verified by means of perceptions for a thinking being without a brain is like a digesting being without a stomach only perceptions are properly speaking clear not conceptions these at the most can only be distinct hence also absurd as it was clear and confused were coupled together and used as synonymous when knowledge of perception was explained as merely a confused abstract knowledge because the latter kind of knowledge alone was distinct this was first done by duns scotus but leibnitz has substantially the same view upon which his identitas indiscernibilium depends see kant's refutation of this page two seventy five of the first edition of the critique of pure reason the close connection of the conception with the word thus of speech with reason which was touched on above rests ultimately upon the following ground time is throughout the form of our whole consciousness with its inward and outward apprehension conceptions on the other hand which originate through abstraction and are perfectly general ideas different from all particular things have in this property indeed a certain measure of objective existence which does not however belong to any series of events in time therefore in order to enter the immediate present of an individual consciousness and thus to admit of being introduced into a series of events in time they must to a certain extent be reduced again to the nature of individual things individualized and therefore linked to an idea of sense such an idea is the word it is accordingly the sensible sign of the conception and as such the necessary means of fixing it that is of presenting it to the consciousness which is bound up with the form of time and thus establishing a connection between the reason whose objects are merely general universals knowing neither place nor time and consciousness which is bound up with time is sensuous and so far purely animal only by this means is the reproduction at pleasure thus the recollection and preservation of conceptions possible and open to us and only by means of this again are the operations which are undertaken with conceptions possible judgment inference comparison limitation etc it is true it sometimes happens that conceptions occupy consciousness without their signs as when we run through a train of reasoning so rapidly that we could not think the words in the time but such cases are exceptions which presuppose great exercise of the reason which it could only have obtained by means of language how much the use of reason is bound up with speech we see in the case of the deaf and dumb who if they have learnt no kind of language show scarcely more intelligence than the orangutan or the elephant for their reason is almost entirely potential not actual words and speech are thus the indispensable means of distinct thought but as every means every machine at once burdens and hinders so also does language 
for it forces the fluid and modifiable thoughts with their infinitely fine distinctions of difference into certain rigid permanent forms and thus in fixing also fetters them this hindrance is to some extent got rid of by learning several languages for in these the thought is poured from one mould into another and somewhat alters its form in each so that it becomes more and more freed from all form and clothing and thus its own proper nature comes more distinctly into consciousness and it recovers again its original capacity for modification the ancient languages render the service very much better than the modern because on account of their great difference from the latter the same thoughts are expressed in them in quite another way and must thus assume a very different form besides which the more perfect grammar of the ancient languages renders a more artistic and more perfect construction of the thoughts and their connection possible thus a greek or a roman might perhaps content himself with his own language but he who understands nothing but some single modern patois will soon betray this poverty in writing and speaking for his thoughts firmly bound to such narrow stereotyped forms must appear awkward and monotonous genius certainly makes up for this as for everything else for example in shakespeare burke in his inquiry into the sublime and beautiful page five sections four and five has given a perfectly correct and very elaborate exposition of what i laid down in section nine of the first volume that the words of a speech are perfectly understood without calling up ideas of perception pictures in our heads but he draws from this the entirely false conclusion that we hear apprehend and make use of words without connecting with them any idea whatever whereas he ought to have drawn the conclusion that all ideas are not perceptible images but that precisely those ideas which must be expressed by means of words are abstract notions or conceptions and these from their very nature are not perceptible just because words impart only general conceptions which are perfectly different from ideas of perception when for example an event is recounted all the hearers will receive the same conceptions but if afterwards they wish to make the incident clear to themselves each of them will call up in his imagination a different image of it which differs considerably from the correct image that is possessed only by the eye-witness this is the primary reason which however is accompanied by others why every fact is necessarily distorted by being repeatedly told the second recounter communicates conceptions which he has abstracted from the image of his own imagination and from these conceptions the third now forms another image differing still more widely from the truth and this again he translates into conceptions and so the process goes on whoever is sufficiently matter-of-fact to stick to the conceptions imparted to him and repeat them will prove the most truthful reporter the best and most intelligent exposition of the essence and nature of conceptions which i have been able to find is in thomas reed's essays on the powers of human mind volume two essay five chapter six this was afterwards condemned by dugald stewart in his philosophy of the human mind not to waste paper i will only briefly remark with regard to the latter that he belongs to that large class who have obtained an undeserved reputation through favour and friends and therefore i can only advise that not an hour should be wasted over the scribbling of this shallow writer the princely scholastic 
pico de mirandola already saw that reason is the faculty of abstract ideas and understanding the faculty of ideas of perception for in his book de imaginatione chapter eleven he carefully distinguishes understanding and reason and explains the latter as the discursive faculty peculiar to man and the former as the intuitive faculty allied to the kind of knowledge which is proper to the angels and indeed to god spinoza also characterizes reason quite correctly as the faculty of framing general conceptions such facts would not need to be mentioned if it were not for the tricks that have been played in the last fifty years by the whole of the philosophasters of germany with the conception reason for they have tried with shameless audacity to smuggle in under this name an entirely spurious faculty of immediate metaphysical so-called supersensuous knowledge the reason proper on the other hand they call understanding and the understanding proper as something quite strange to them they overlook altogether and describe its intuitive functions to sensibility in the case of all things in this world new drawbacks or disadvantages cleave to every source of aid to every gain to every advantage and thus reason also which gives to man such great advantages over the brutes carries with it its special disadvantages and opens for him paths of error into which the brutes can never stray through it a new species of motives to which the brute is not accessible obtains power over his will these are the abstract motives the mere thoughts which are by no means always drawn from his own experience but often come to him only through the talk and example of others through tradition and literature having become accessible to thought he is at once exposed to error but every error must sooner or later do harm and the greater the error the greater the harm it will do the individual error must be atoned for by him who cherishes it and often he has to pay dearly for it and the same thing holds good on a large scale of the common errors of whole nations therefore it cannot too often be repeated that every error wherever we meet it is to be pursued and rooted out as an enemy of mankind and that there can be no such thing as privileged or sanctioned error the thinker ought to attack it even if humanity should cry out with pain like a sick man whose ulcer the physician touches the brute can never stray far from the path of nature for its motives lie only in the world of perception where only the possible indeed only the actual finds room on the other hand all that is only imaginable and therefore also the false the impossible the absurd and senseless enters into abstract conceptions into thoughts and words since now all partake of reason but few of judgment the consequence is that man is exposed to delusion for he is abandoned to every conceivable chimera which every one talks him into and which acting on his will as a motive may influence him to perversities and follies of every kind to the most unheard-of extravagances and also to actions most contrary to his animal nature true culture in which knowledge and judgment go hand in hand can only be brought to bear on a few and still fewer are capable of receiving it for the great mass of men a kind of training everywhere takes its place it is effected by example custom and the very early and firm impression of certain conceptions before any experience understanding or judgment were there to disturb the work 
thus thoughts are implanted which afterward cling as firmly and are as incapable of being shaken by any instruction as if they were inborn and indeed they have often been regarded even by philosophers as such in this way we can with the same trouble imbue men with what is right and rational or with what is most absurd for example we can accustom them to approach this or that idol with holy dread and at the mention of its name to prostrate in the dust not only their bodies but their whole spirit to sacrifice their property and their lives willingly to words to names to the defence of the strangest whims to attach arbitrarily the greatest honour or the deepest disgrace to this or that and to prize highly or disdain everything accordingly with full inward conviction to renounce all animal food as in hindustan or to devour still warm and quivering pieces cut from the living animal as in abyssinia to eat men as in new zealand or to sacrifice their children to moloch to castrate themselves to fling themselves voluntarily on the funeral piles of the dead in a word to do anything we please hence the crusades the extravagances of fanatical sects hence chileas and flagellants persecutions autos de fe and all that is offered by the long register of human perversities lest it should be thought that only the dark ages afford such examples i shall add a couple of more modern instances in the year eighteen eighteen there went from wurtemberg seven thousand chileas to the neighbourhood of ararat because the new kingdom of god specially announced by jung stilling was to appear there gall relates that in his time a mother killed her child and roasted it in order to cure her husband's rheumatism with its fat the tragical side of error lies in the practical the comical is reserved for the theoretical for example if we could firmly persuade three men that the sun is not the cause of daylight we might hope to see it soon established as the general conviction in germany it was possible to proclaim as the greatest philosopher of all ages hegel a repulsive mindless charlatan an unparalleled scribbler of nonsense and for twenty years many thousands have believed it stubbornly and firmly and indeed outside germany the danish academy entered the lists against myself for his fame and sought to have him regarded as a summus philosophus upon this see the preface to my grundproblemen der ethik these then are the disadvantages which on account of the rarity of judgment attach to the existence of reason we must add to them the possibility of madness the brutes do not go mad although the carnivora are subject to fury and the ruminants to a sort of delirium end of chapter six recording by expatriate in bangor maine